Welcome to Be Customer-Led, where we'll explore how leading experts in customer and employee experience are navigating organizations through their own journey to be customer-led and the actions and behaviors employees and businesses exhibit to get there. And now, your host, Bill Stakos. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another week of Be Customer Led. I've got another special guest for you all this week. Steve Dion is founder and CEO of Dion Leadership. Now, Steve works with a lot of CEOs at, at big, complex brands, so he's got a lot of really interesting perspective. And I love sort of, you know, Dion Leadership's focus. They're dedicated to creating conditions where your employees start every day excited and every and end every day accomplished. Now, Steve, if you're, if you're familiar with Steve Dion... He's out there a lot in social media, writing a lot around culture, leadership, future of work. And Steve and I connected, and I love his perspective on stuff. And that's why I had to have Steve on the show. Steve, welcome to Be Customer Led. So excited to have you here. Thanks, Bill. I'm looking forward to our conversation. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So, you know, the story arc for a, a lot of, you know, what we're going to talk today about for our listeners is just leadership development and the impact on that and the future of work. We were going to get into a couple other things as well. But before we get started, Steve, can you just share your journey with our listeners? Go back as, as far back as you'd like. You have not only working for you know brands out there in, in very, very you know executive HR roles, but also you've been doing a lot of consulting and working with so many different brands out there as well. I, I'd love to hear about how you kind of, you know, your path and how you've gotten to uh, to, to where you are today. Sure, happy to share, share my story. So I grew up in Michigan, and as I was thinking about this question, you know, my path really started back in high school when, at the time, trying to find, you know, connection with other people and meaning and purpose, I found myself getting into student government and service clubs, and just understanding the power of community and mm. and and leadership at that point. So naturally, when I got into college, um, it drew me to be a RA, do some other things in student government was president of my residence hall. And so just this this passion around seeing people coming together was always yeah. of interest to me. You know, diverse people trying to meet on some common items. So academically in my career, I remember taking a class in organizational behavior. And I vividly remember going, I don't want to put this book down. Like this stuff is fascinating. That's awesome. You know, why do organizations, you know, how do people and organizations coexist? So that led me to get a degree a master's degree in HR, because that's really, you know, the way organizations kind of put it functionally. And I yeah. found myself then working for about 25 years in corporate America, you know, crafting different leadership and OD programs. And, and I selected organizations to work for kind of intentionally because of their people management systems. Mm -hmm. And, you know, started at a Fortune 450, then went to a, or a Fortune 50, then went to a 450. Then at some point I was, uh, you know, great to be able to be a chief HR officer, try to practice this stuff myself in the C-suite. Mm -hmm. What I found, I guess, through those processes is I saw so many different leaders operating in very different ways. And one leader could create a culture that was so different than another culture in the same building or just down the hall. It always fascinated me about why that was and how could we you know, do some things differently. Over the course of, of my career, I really studied that. And had a chance, even back in the day, like at Baxter Healthcare Corporation, back almost 30 years ago, we had a diversity department of six people. 
back before, wow. you know, it was a really big deal. And I was able to kind of work on programs around social justice back then because they thought it was important. And I thought we had a great business. And at one yeah. point I had the opportunity to work with uh, Latin America and bring five different companies and five different countries together to create a region. And again, about community, about understanding people, purpose, mission, vision, just wanted to get to the point where I could go have a bigger imprint of that. So after the last organization I was in became a top 100 company to work for, I said, well, you know, I want to go do this with other organizations. So about 15 years ago, I decided to branch off, I had a partner for about 10 years and just decided after that, you know, I had a way of doing this and I really wanted to kind of do this on my own. And it was really perfect timing uh, in doing this a couple of years ago because I had envisioned this idea of moving to sort of virtual and digital delivery of tools and resources as before COVID hit, but we were, you know, just on the cusp of that. So that brings us to today with, you know, our ability to kind of do things virtually in the leadership development space and, you know, looking forward to kind of the next iteration of this. That's awesome. It's really interesting how even pre-COVID, right, like people were consuming information, right, and even learning uh, or new learning or, you know, enhancing their learning. So it seems like you hit the stride at the right time. That That's good timing. I, sort of if you think about your career and and the richness of it, you know, given the time that we're in now, Steve, like how is the world of work changing from your perspective? And you get to see a lot of different companies. And that might be, you know, e even if you can share, you know, your perspective on like what's good and what's not so good. Yeah, well, how I've looked at this last two years is the universe has, you know, put us into this large scale experiment to test a new talent management operating system. People didn't want it. They didn't ask for it. But we were asked to figure out if we could do things in a new and different way because of, you know, it was required. And for the most part, I think we've proved that test to be viable and employees know it. We're not going back. So, you know, I'm an optimistic person by nature. And, you know, I think when the dust settles, we're going to have created a better workforce because the employment relationship has shifted. Mm -hmm. And as I like to say, sort of the 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 toothpaste has been squeezed out of the tube and there's no way to sort of put it back in. And organizations need to figure out how to make the best of this, you know, and there've been periods in our industrial evolution where we had practices that we thought were great. And then we, later we learned there were better ways. I mean, women weren't embraced in the workforce for a lot of years. You know, we, we produced waste and put it into rivers and sewage sewers and said, okay, that's got to stop. So now we're at a point of kind of understanding the when, where, how of work is different. And that's what's under the microscope right now. I wonder like how that's, you know, how you see that the current situation, like where we might be in, let's say five years, like how is the future of work do you think going to evolve? Because coming out of financial services myself, I'm not in, in that space anymore today, but there's so many CEOs of big banks saying, we're all coming back to the office folks. And there's a part of me thinking, like, has someone missed a trick here, right? Because, like, to your point, like, the toothpaste is out of the tube, and I love that. Um, I love that analogy. But why are some maybe getting it and others not? How do you think that's going to impact where people go or what they do and how they do it? Yeah, you know, I was coaching a CEO yesterday who called me up and said, "I'm not happy. I want." to be around my people. I want to walk around an office and I want to see these people and I've worked with them 
in person before and is really struggling with their own personal job satisfaction. I realize why we need to be home right now. I realize the spike and we're, we're productive, but it's a huge change effort for leaders of organizations and what it means for them. And it's a huge, a huge shift. So this return to work model, I think there's going to be a wide array of organizations from CEOs that are change oriented, that are global and digital oriented that are jumped right in just from day one and said, we can run a virtual organization. And they see mm-hmm. all these positives about it, you know, reducing mm-hmm. costs for facilities, a whole bunch of things. And others that just see the all the negative sides. Oh, we'll never have creativity. We can never have culture. And I think it's going to be a matter of perspective. And, mm-hmm. and in my mind, you know, the world continues to get smaller. You know, when you know, airplanes change commerce. There was a point where, you know, we could easily get on an airplane and then fly around the country and our consumer base and our customer base and our employee base, you know, got smaller. Well, now with digital, it even quicker access to everything, to people, yeah. to resources, to economy. And organizations are going to be on one side of that or the other. You know, we can recruit employees now from different places, uh, but also that employee can easily go to a different place. So it's it's changed forever. Second, I'd add on top of that, which has been a phenomenon that I'm finding fascinating, is following this sort of well-being space, this quest for personal well-being. And maybe it's mm-hmm. been out there for you know people in general of meditation and yoga and you know, I want to be a better person. Well, employers never talked about that. You know, people didn't yeah. ask us to train on yeah. resilience and well-being. Well, now employers see it as their responsibility to provide that for the many hours of time people are at work. And yet people are super burned out right now. You know, they are trying to figure out a new and better way. So managers need to figure out how, and they always have had, you know, employees' home problems become work problems. For sure. And become customer problems. For sure. Now we're realizing that chain more explicitly. And organizations are saying, you know, company, I need you to do some things before... I'm willing to stay with this organization. You know, we've always wanted respect and meaning and balance and enjoyment and jobs yeah, for yeah. forever. But but now people realize that after this proof of concept, they don't have to make that trade off. It's not a good job and miss my kids evening activities. Yeah. It's it's I can do both. And there are organizations that will figure out a way. Maybe it's more challenging for them to figure out what that looks like. But those yeah. organizations that can do that are going to be the ones that win. So, you know, it, it's funny. I was actually so bummed when my kids started going back to school because I'd get to have lunch with them every day. I'm like, when am I going to have the opportunity to do this ever, right? And I've got school-age children. And, you know, now that they're back at school, I'm a fully remote employee. It's not just sort of the work. It's it's the home and changes there as well that are starting to impact. And I can see, like, days I don't see my kids, pretty cranky. Actually, that does show up. Like, your employee behavior is your customer's experience, to your point, Absolutely. right? Um, I'm curious, like if if you think about, I mean, with the, the leadership model has fundamentally changed, right? Like you don't have the sort of the tell it alls anymore. Now you got to you have people who need to be listening, be empathetic, etc. What was your advice to that CEO in terms of their view of their own need to be back in the office? Like, because the CEO is like, let's just say there's five thousand people in a company. The CEO is only one five thousandth of the culture of that company, whether they think right. that or not. At the end of the day, right? What was your counsel to them? And I'd love to ask you as well, Steve, if for listeners who may have a boss that's saying, I want everybody back in the office and everyone else around them saying, this is nuts, can't happen. 
How do you how, how do like team members manage that? Yeah, well, we're seeing it still regularly. There are or, many organizations, and we work a lot in large healthcare organizations where you need to be in in a physical sure. space to do what you do. That's a whole different yeah. beast, you know. Manufacturing yeah. as well, but yeah. the support staff folks don't always have to be there, and many leaders are hiding behind this. At least this is my view of this. They're hiding behind this idea that equity drives fundamental like balance in an organization. And so mm-hmm. if I can't treat two people unfairly, it will become anarchy. And mm-hmm. I think employees see that and are okay in understanding, I want this, another employee wants that, we can figure out a way that we can each get our own needs met. I work mm-hmm. half time, you work full time, I work from home, you don't, and each job requires different things. So I think leaders need to get over, over that. So to answer your question about my coaching for this uh, CEO, you know, we spent some time talking about his day and what his day used to look like. Where would he walk down the hall? Did he pop into meetings? Did he, you know, overhear interactions that had him feel like the business was working better? And Mm -hmm. we envisioned ways in which he could do that over Zoom and Teams. You know, you've accessed everybody else's calendar. If you would have walked in a conference room when you saw it, you know, a great meeting going on, walking in and saying, hey, I want to say hi. What are you guys up to? Zoom bomb a meeting. He was like, yeah. I never thought of that. So I think yeah. we'll figure out ways to use this technology. And we only know yeah. like so much of it. And I think we'll be able to integrate screen-based systems to, to help him feel better. And then the other part was, you know, think about the business metrics that you're trying to drive. And, you know, yes, you need to get your personal satisfaction, Matt, but you know, how do you know you have a problem? Use Mm -hmm. data to show that and listen to your employees. Start co-creating what 2023 is going to look like around when we're in the office. And this idea Mm -hmm. of, you know, we allow flexibility, but it's still on the CEO's terms. Flexibility Mm -hmm. is I let you be home Monday and Friday. Well, that's not true flexibility. So what's flexibility going to look like and how do we co-create that? Yeah, in, in, a, in a past life, a lot of what we were grappling with as a company was this concept of employee choice. And how do you create parameters and guidelines that are broad enough to give employees, empower employees to make decisions about when they're coming to the office and how they're showing up, et cetera. But, but good enough where we, we were able to create those spaces where the personal human connections were also happening. And they're still, I've since left, but they're still kind of grappling with a lot of these issues as many companies are. But you're right to your point is that's not an employee. If you give your employees a choice of how they can, how they can do this, that's very different than you dictating, hey, we're not just doing Mondays or Fridays, whether you like it or not. It's really obvious to say companies need leadership development programs in place kind of more than ever right now. But what, what are you seeing or hearing in terms of what like the big needs are, whether that's seniority by seniority level, whether that's new leaders versus leaders with a lot of tenure, et cetera, like where are you seeing the biggest need? And for our listeners who haven't maybe be thinking, been thinking about this much, like what, what guidance would you give them in terms of maybe directionally where to start looking? Sure. Great question. <laughs> totally in my space. So I'm thinking about this a lot. Yeah. Uh, a few things. One is Building trust-based systems, you know, as you mentioned just a minute ago, you know, trust is important, but a different and a higher level of trust and having people and teams build and understand trust where they haven't been in person is really Mm -hmm. important. So at the senior level, 
we're seeing organizations requesting a lot of executive team offsite team building, kind of a reset button on what does our team look like? We were so sort of triage mode that we've lost some trust and understanding and have more silos built. And we need to break those down. Um, we're also seeing a huge uptick in leadership development programs for the explicit purpose of retention. You know, mm. Previously, it was, we need to develop people to then take on the next level role. At this point, it's, I want to put this group of people through a program for six nine, six months to a year so that they don't leave and that they're engaged and they're retained. If we build skill and competence and they're ready for the next job, that's almost a byproduct where it used to not be that way. We have leadership development or uh, individual coaching programs where organizations have said, we're taking the 10 people we don't want to lose the most. They're already high potential people, probably wouldn't have had a leadership coach before, but we're going to mm. give them a retention package to get through this next year because we know how important it is. And using coaching to help somebody kind of unpack that stress, how they fit in, their burnout. It's not as much skill acquisition, but that presence in the moment to get them through. So their ROI for leadership development programs is, does this person are they still here a year from now? Mm -hmm. So I think that's a huge, wow. huge, big shift. A second one or a next one is, is yeah. that the, ma the direct manager is really the secret weapon in this, in this work, you know, mm -hmm. working with the first line person who then works with an employee and, you know, understanding that we need to equip those first line managers with skills to help navigate things that aren't in policy books anymore. Flexibility things, work from home things, new expectations, employees ask manager, can I do this? And they can't just go go down the hall and ask HR. I, I don't know. So this last year, we spent a lot of time actually with two university professors, um, Dr. Ellen Erskosik and Dr. Leslie Hammer, who spent decades studying work-life balance issues. And hmm. they identified that there's a 50% gap between a manager's view on how they show work-life supportive behaviors and what their employees rate them on if they actually do wow. support work-life family behaviors. And furthermore, then we identified, they identified through all this research, these four specific behaviors that if a manager does, it actually you know, increases retention, improves employee engagement, and even improves health outcomes. They had an, a National Institute of Health grant to study this. So we took these four behaviors and we've turned it into an e-learning course mm -hmm. and trying to help organizations realize that, you know, this idea and, and, and the four-step model is really to connect with your employee, to respond, mm -hmm. to rethink and model. So in this case, we're saying that the frontline leader, you connect in a different way than you used to connect. You know, it used to be like, this is your job. This is your work. Do you know what you need to do? Here's our policy. I'm a good guy. You're a good guy. Go to work. The connection needs to be different. It needs to be more meaningful. Yeah. What's going on at home? I need to know more about your life so we can help navigate these things. So it's yeah. teaching connection and then respond. It's like, how do you respond to these, these issues of work-life needs that are things you've never had before? And, mm. you know, in the past, people wouldn't respond at all, possibly as a manager, They're like, I'll get back to you. And then they never do. Well, yeah. you know, now we need to respond, respond quickly and do something the rethink is about, you know, managers have control of rethinking things within their work area. You know, maybe I could have these two people swap this work. It's within the policy constructs, but I need to own doing those things. It's a burden on me, but it's better for the organization. Yeah. And then the modeling is so important. Being healthy, showing your health yourself, saying, I'm taking my time off. I'm not mm -hmm. sending emails after hours 
or mm-hmm. I'm not going to work for three hours during the day because I want to see my kids because they're home. And I'm okay with that. And you should be too. So I'm going to work at night tonight, you guys. Don't look at my email. See them in the morning. Like, just be open and model yeah. what you expect of other people. So I think if we start doing more of those things, we're going to have better workforces. That I love. Um, wow, that's so simple and so easy. Like, it sounds easy to put into into practice, right? I think. Do you find that? Do you find the frontline managers are still having a hard time, even with the simplicity of that framework? Because it's very, very different than you know. Let's just say you've got a team of two or three. You're a relatively new manager, a year or two under your belt. Are they still trying to navigate through all this stuff? Like, you know, like I, I recently read a quote today, you know, being a manager is easy. It's like riding a bike, but the bike's on fire, you're on fire, and everything else around you is on fire. You know, <laughs> That's a good um, way to put it. how are you finding people respond to, to that kind of framework? And really, they're, they're having to relearn, right, essentially, because they because right. their own leaders didn't follow that and that they learned from them. So there's this really big relearning thing going on. And how are you finding people respond to that in this environment? It's going to take a while. And and it's an added level of responsibility to ask a manager who first line managers, you know, sometimes are like, I didn't ask to be a manager. And now here I am guiding the direction of people's life and satisfaction. So it's a big ask of people. So developing mm-hmm. them to feel comfortable in it is important. You know, with the work we do in healthcare, we're doing a lot of programs with Nurse managers. I mean, trying to imagine mm-hmm. right now working with nurse leaders to help figure out who's got COVID, who doesn't, how, you know, how do we fill our already increasing hospital beds and ask you to work more hours? I mean, it's a super big challenge. As they get more reps with this and they realize that if they can co-create the some of this work through listening, through empathy, this mm-hmm. idea of this again, connect, respond, rethink it and model it. I think it's going to go a long way, but it's a big ask and it's going to take some time. And I guess I guess as leaders, uh, more senior leaders, even CEOs, need to give their organization and those first-line managers the space and the time to do that too, right. which not many companies have, right? So um, right. that I think is I've also a big shift. saying we, we can't policy ourselves out of this situation. There's, it, it, there's no, so you can't write it all down in a book that says, this is the order of these things or click on our company internal portal and it'll give you all the answers. It's it's individualistic and mm-hmm. it comes through each leader doing good work, understanding the company's mission, understanding the purpose, understanding the customers we serve, whether that's you know patients or it's another business that you need to provide parts so they can make a car, whatever that is, it's, you know, kind of seeing the chain in there and having each person realize like we can figure out, we can help you figure out how to have a life that's worth the life that you want when you look back at your work life and the organization can meet their customer demands. So this is a good segue, Steve, into talking about Dion Leadership. I'd love to just, if you can share with our listeners a little bit how you work with clients. Do you have a specific way or approach or like, you know, tell us a little bit about that before we get into uh, some of our final few questions. I'm just curious to learn more about your approach. Yeah. And thanks for asking, Bill. So, you know, as you mentioned up front, uh, we are very passionate about helping organizations create stronger workplaces and cultures. So we love to partner with organizations and not create a single event. We, I like mm-hmm. to use leadership development tools and applications as culture building activities. So we have a team of about 60 
I believe, extraordinary coaches and consultants and facilitators that have all worked in corporate jobs, but understand leadership, understand mm -hmm. emotional intelligence, understand, you know, all the practical approaches to this. And then we become kind of an adjunct arm to some of these larger, more sophisticated organizations where they might do some things internally, we do some things, but it's all towards this common end, whether it's coaching, it's team development, it's executive assessment. Sometimes it's now it's organizational development systems kind of working through new uh, mission, vision, values, culture mm -hmm. opportunities. And you know how we grow is with organizations that continue to say, I love what you're doing and you're helping us be better. And you know, I, here, here's the next big project. So, so Steve, one of the things um, that I love about the show is I get to talk to experts like you on a weekly basis. And like, I learn a ton. I think the listeners are, are learn a ton. Steve, who are thought leaders that you look up to in this space as well? Um, are there people that you look to for insight? You know, certainly you've provided a lot of insight and learning on the show, but where can our listeners even go to kind of br even broaden their sort of... Uh, they have opened the aperture a little bit more even on this. Like, who do you yeah. go to? Like, for like, wow, they're, they're doing some really cool stuff in this space. Well, this is probably one that's already pretty popular, but I have to say, I'm just a big Brene Brown fan. And, mm -hmm. you know, she's been doing this work for a while, even before we've been talking about some of these items, mm -hmm. you know, discussions about vulnerability, about heart, about courage, emotions, how all that plays out in messy organizations. Her two podcasts are great. I I find the guests that she brings on to be riveting. And yeah. so that's a place I go a lot. And I think you could almost go back to some of the earlier, her earlier work. And it has different meaning even today. Mm. That's awesome. Um, Steve, I, I want to ask you a question just because I, I, we ask all guests this question. Where do you go for inspiration? You know, you know what inspires me? Uh, this, this may sound silly, but when I'm driving to and from work, I look at these other people in cars. And I think, you know, with our mission statement being that we want everybody to start every day excited and end every day accomplished, I think there's all these people out there going to work. Are they starting excited or are they going, oh my God, get me through this day? And are they coming home going, I just, I can't wait to get home and get a drink? Or are they coming home going, I got to be present? I can't wait to share all the cool things I did. And I feel like, you know, I'm living out my purpose. And that really drives me every day to just think about kind of that commute and all these people out there, you know, struggling with work and how can we make better organizations? I love that. I really do. I think so. I've just, even since a kid being Greek, we, my parents owned a diner and I would, I would observe a lot. And I love thinking about people's stories and their journeys and how they what they do when they go home, what they do when they go to work, and how does that all manifest? Um, so I think a lot about that too. I'm not commuting anymore, like uh, like you're driving to the office, but uh, it's, I'm still fascinated when I see people on the street when I'm out shopping, etc. Steve, this has been a great great conversation. I truly appreciate you coming to the show. Where can our listeners find you if they want to learn more? Thanks, Bill. I enjoyed it as well. Well, they can find us on our website, DionLeadership.com, and we do have our own webinar series that we invite guests in kind of a webinar format, have a lot of white papers that we've been writing, blogs, thought leadership pieces, so they can find those there. And then the training product that I mentioned for this Connect, Respond, Rethink and Model, we have created a brand and a landing page showing some of the, the content there, and that is worklifealigned.com. 
And I also invite listeners just to email me directly. You know, I'm happy to have a conversation. I'm super passionate about this space. Um, It's steve at dionleadership.com. Give me a holler and I'd be happy to see if I can help you. Awesome. Steve, thanks again for coming to the show. Great stuff. I love the framework uh, that you're working with. And hopefully, you know, listeners uh, start to think about it and apply it more in their day-to-day and even reach out. All right, everybody. Another great show. We're out. Talk to you soon, Thanks everyone. for listening to Be Customer-Led with Bill Stakos. We are grateful to our audience for the gift of their time. Be sure to visit us at BeCustomerLed.com for more episodes. Leave us feedback on how we're doing or tell us what you want to hear more about. Until next time, we're out. We're out.